Well, I'd like to welcome you to the Regular Baptist Podcast. I'm here at Bethel Church in Crown Point, Indiana with my friend Steve DeWitt. Steve is going to be our keynote speaker at the GRBC National Conference, June 29th and 30th next month. And we hope that you and your church will be able to attend our virtual conference. Steve, since 1997, has been blessed to serve as the lead pastor here at Bethel Church. And uh, thank you, Steve, for joining us. Thank you for agreeing to be a part of our national conference. Uh, We have an interesting history. Uh, Steve played an enormous role in my life personally. When Christine and I were first married, uh, we had left what you would call maybe an unhealthy brand of, of fundamentalism and ended up just by God's sovereign direction here at Bethel. And I remember after a service, we were meeting back then at Maryville High School and when this building was being built. And I, you know, just everything was kind of new with how you guys did church in particular. I had never heard expository preaching before. Everything was springboard, topical, kind of man-centered, almost of a browbeating kind of uh, nature. And we walk into Bethel, it's like this breath of fresh air. We're getting the word, we're being fed. And we scheduled an appointment, me and you, and right out there at a farmhouse that's still there, I believe, which was your study at the time when this building was being built, you had walked me through it. It was a cold January night. And uh, you, in a very uh, shepherding, loving, gentle, kind, gracious way, walked me through, biblically, every question I had. And I I just want to thank you for that, because that uh, was used by God in many ways to start me on a very important journey where I am today. I don't think I made an appointment that night and said... Uh, Steve, my goal is to be national rep of the GRBC, <laughs> but this is where God led, yeah. and God used you in a great way as, mm. as an influence in my life, so thank you. If I could just say, I, I just as, as, a, as an encouragement, you know, I'd, I'd like to be able to tell you, I remember that, I've thought about <laughs> it every week since then, I only have a, the vaguest of memories of that, but I think it's an encouragement as a pastor, you, you never know how God might use somebody that, that uh, comes across your path and, you know, you invest a little bit of time and um, I don't remember it necessarily, but, but you do. Sure. And God used it in a, in a profound way. And so it's just another example of how God works in pastoral ministry. And we should probably treat everybody as the future potential national <laughs> rep of the GRBC. You never know. You never know. And ironically, this church has quite a history uh, Joel Stoll, who was a national rep from 1969 to 1979, pastored this church. I think back then you were in Gary, Indiana, the church building was. So there's quite a history there. And Steve, tell us a little bit about how you came to know the Lord. You have a history in our fellowship. And uh, just a little bit of your story, what God's done in your life. Sure. Well, I, I'm hoping to save a little bit of my um, Thanksgiving for the conference. But just to, to touch on it. I grew up in Iowa. I grew up in Cedar Falls, Iowa. I grew up at Cedar Heights Baptist Church. Um, I went to Walnut Ridge Baptist Academy, graduated from that school. I went to a Garb College, Garb Seminary, Um, was at uh, College Park Church for five years, which was a Garb um, church plant uh, back in 85. So uh, did Talents for Christ in high school. I mean, I was was very uh, deep into... 
the regular Baptist, and um, so thankful. I, I look back on, you know, two things that 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 gave me. It gave me a reverence for God, and it gave me a reverence for God's Word. Both of which incredibly treasured truths for me to this day. So um, I grew up in in that kind of a church. Grew up in a home that you know, told me about Jesus, became a a Christian when I was a boy. And um, I went to college. I was hoping to play basketball, did a little bit, but God was working in my life to get me into ministry. And so I have been a pastor for 27 years. I've been 22 here at at Bethel. And I'm incredibly uh, grateful to, to the Lord for his grace in my life. And I love being a pastor. And um, I love I love my church, and probably like a lot of the pastors maybe who will hear this, I'm dying not being able to be with our people and this quarantine and everything, but uh, all in the Lord's timing, you know. So I'm privileged to be a part of um, the conference, and so thank you for the invitation. Amen. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you to your church, who generously is allowing us to use their facilities for our virtual conference. We're grateful for that. Uh, God has blessed this church in so many ways, and it's all through the word. And I love the theme of your church. It's all about him. It's all about Christ. It's all about bringing glory to him. Uh, Tell us about your family, your wife, your two daughters. Yeah, well, part of my story is I was the bachelor pastor for so many years, I even a senior, I was senior pastor of Bethel Church for 15 years as a single man. And in uh, 2012, I uh, married uh, my wife, Jennifer, and we got pregnant right away. And so 2013, we had our first daughter. Two years later, we had our second daughter. So I am now uh, a, little bit, a little bit late to the party, a little bit late to the the marriage and the parenting party, but I am enjoying it immensely. So I have a six-year-old daughter and a four-year-old daughter, and uh, it's been a joy not only to me, but you know, to our whole church family. I, Jennifer tells the story that when, uh, when we were dating and she was a little concerned about being the senior pastor's wife, I said to her, I go, you know, sweetheart, for 15 years, there hasn't been a senior pastor's wife. All you have to do is be better than nothing at all. <laughs> Our people are going to love you. It's going to be fine. And uh, that's pretty much how it's played out. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about uh, what you'll be preaching at the National Conference. Our theme is perspective. And uh, using uh, John uh, 21, 22 as our theme verse, where Jesus says to Peter, you follow me. When he compares himself with John the Apostle, where Jesus tells Peter what kind of death he's going to die for following the Savior. And the natural reaction is, well, why me? Why do I have to live this kind of life? And why do I have to suffer this kind of death? Uh, Tell us a little bit about uh, not giving away the whole theme of your sermon, the meat and bones, as we talked about before the podcast, but uh, a little bit about the messages you'll be preaching on beauty. Yeah, well, I'm I'm excited to... Uh, to talk about these, and both of them are going to be about Christ. So the, I, I believe the first message will be on the supremacy of Christ from Colossians 1, and the second will be on the beauty of Christ. Uh, so they flow out of really a conviction that I have that one of the huge missing aspects to, uh, to many church ministries, many preaching ministries, uh, is the desirability of Jesus. You know, I think that the, the doctrine of Jesus, his deity, uh, his work, uh, 
these are things that are, you know, are preached and believed. And if you're any pastor worth your salt, you're pretty solid on those, on those doctrines. Uh, and there was maybe a time in the past when maybe that was enough. Um, but I think today the questions that people are asking are, are not, is Jesus the son of God or was he fully man? You know, these are not things in society that are, that are commonly debated. Uh, but what, what people are, are wondering about is what makes, what makes, what makes him attractive? What makes him desirable? You know, what, what is it about, what is it about Jesus that, I mean, I got to pledge my life to him, seriously? Like, why would I, would I do that? And so from the perspective of, first of all, the greatness of Christ, that uh, as Colossians 1 says, that uh, everything that God the Father is doing is unveiling the glory of Jesus so that in everything he might have the supremacy, everything, everything he might have the preeminence, that when we see the greatness of Jesus, that, 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 that he supersedes any other sort of pretender of uh, glory or treasure or value, lifting him high, it's all about him, is I think the task of the church and the faithful preacher, along with then the beauty of Christ. And the, the theme of beauty is one that's very, very special to me. Uh, and I think it really is what is attractional, if I could say, especially to the, to the young generation where their heroes are, you know, everybody has heroes, everybody's trying to talk like somebody, dress like somebody, be like somebody. The church has to place Jesus front and center and, and, and in that to not necessarily say, let me tell you the, the, you know, the, the details of the doctrine of the humanity of Jesus, but really to talk about the beauty of Christ and why, why a young person, you, what you like about that person or why you wanna be like that person. Let me, let me talk to you about what real greatness and beauty is. Uh, this hero doesn't even know your name. This is somebody who, who's known your name from eternity past Amen. and died for you. And, and for that, the, the beauty of Christ, which I see as the sum total of all of his perfections, to draw our hearts, to, to love him, to know him, and, and that desirability of Christ. That's where I think the church, the task of the church moving forward is going to be to continually be displaying why Jesus is worth it. And uh, so I hope to encourage churches and pastors and Christians, whoever's going to be tuning in to, to do that, talk a little bit about how to do that. And, uh, and hopefully even, you know, this isn't just a, a manual. This is something that our hearts hopefully will engage Amen. in the glory of who Jesus is. That's my hope. Amen. <clears throat> I cannot recommend enough. Uh, I think it was 2012 your book came out, Eyes Wide Open. Is it around yep. there? 2000. I don't know why I remember that, but uh, that is a fantastic book, a good summary of what you talked about in many ways here, uh, seeing beauty the way God wants us to see beauty. Uh, it's, it's not published by regular Baptist Press. I wish it was, but it's still a book you need to get and you need to have in your library. Uh, and even, it, I think it'd be good for a husband and wife to read that book together. Uh, doing that as you're discipling other people. It's a book that would be wonderful in helping people see the world as God wants us to see the world. Um, let me ask you this, Steve. What are, what are some unhelpful ways that Christians traditionally, at least in our lifetimes, have looked at beauty? Because when we hear the word beauty, sadly, 
oftentimes the word lust comes to mind or looking at beauty in unhelpful ways saying, God is beautiful. We, we should look at God as being gloriously beautiful and satisfying. What are some unhelpful ways that Christians have unfortunately looked at the beauty of God, the beauty of Christ? Well, I think the, the most unhelpful is to not think about him in that way at all. And I would say the, the general absence of referring to Jesus and understanding him in this category um, has contributed, I think, to a lot of the maybe intellectual, uh, more of a mental sort of faith and understanding of who Jesus is, the, the sort of affirmational doctrinal creedal, but not getting it to the, the affections and the connection, I think, between knowing who Jesus is and my heart engaging him besides the Holy Spirit is when I, when I understand him to be, uh, when you put all the, when you put his love and you put his grace and you put his sacrifice and you put uh, in there, you know, his obedience to the Father and all these Trinitarian and truths, his beauty is the sum perfection of all of those. So like a, one flower is great, pick a character of Jesus, it's great but you put them all together or you have a giant field of, of Dutch tulips or something. It's just, it's stunningly, stunningly beautiful. So I think, you know, I, we, we could talk about probably some other aspects, but largely I think it's the absence of thinking of him at all as being this. And again, I'll go back to, you know, so many parents want their children to receive their faith, want to pass on their faith. Uh, it has to be more than an intellectual passing on. Um, and this is where I think the, the beauty of Christ steps into that gap and, and answers the question, why should I care? Why should I care? And so I think uh, incorporating that more into our language, into our prayers, into our preaching is uh, incredibly, incredibly helpful. One, one thing that your book helped me with, Steve, and, and your preaching as well, and others who've been influential in my life is to not have this idea of God <clears throat> that he's always mad at us, that he's always wanting to pour out his wrath on us, talking about wrath in, in regards to your message this morning, or that if we mess up, all of a sudden we're done for. And that obeying God is a drudgery. It, it's just, oh, I, I have to obey God and I have to live a pure life. And I, instead of looking at God as so glorious so satisfying, so awesome, so beautiful. Why would I go back, I think it's Galatians 4, to the weak and the beggarly elements of this world? And something C.S. Lewis talked about, you know, why go back to this uh, when you have some, someone who's so glorious? Uh, and I think a lot of it comes down to that. We have a misconceived idea of how glorious our God is and how wonderful it is to belong to him and know him and worship and praise him. Um, Steve, if I could shift gears just a little bit here as a seasoned pastor, someone who's been in ministry a long time, and it, you know, you were starting out, and when you were starting out, Bethel was not this size and scope and influence. You had not done rescue works, you had not done other church plants. It was a much smaller work, I remember those days. Um, what kind of counsel would you give to a younger pastor who's, who's really struggling with this, with members who come to him and say, 
man, I'm listening to this guy on YouTube and he preaches so much better than you and his church is like 10 times the size of, of our church or I read this guy's book and why can't you articulate things like him? Or, um, What would you say to a young pastor who's struggling with a healthy perspective in ministry in a day and age when we're so tempted to compare and compete against one another or even be cynical or even upset going so far as to having a disdain or a seething animosity towards someone who God is seemingly blessing more than us. What kind of counsel would you give to a pastor like that? I know I gave you a loaded question there. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot to answer. Well, you just wrote a book on this. You should answer that question. Uh, Well, it is is true that uh, systemic to the human heart is this... um, comparing. And I think if we could push a button and just stop comparing at all, we all would be much better off. And that's true for the small or the large. You know, the small things, if only I was, I was better, I would be bigger. And the, and the large is, uh, you know, given over to maybe some haughtiness that uh, God has blessed us more than others. So therefore, and, you know, if we just push the button and stop comparing, all of us would get along better. We'd like each other more and, and it would be a healthier uh, situation. But I think if, if I was to address a young person, young pastor, if I could even go back and talk to the me back in the day, I think that, uh, you know, some godly advice that I've received uh, that helped me is, you know, uh, don't, don't, don't recognize that, uh, I got to remember the quote off the top of my head, don't underestimate, don't overestimate what you can do in one year, don't underestimate what you can do in five. And that that faithfulness over time, uh, that slowly building of the church is I think generally the way that God builds the church. You know, we, we typically, we hear some story of, you know, 10,000 people came to faith and they're all going to the same church or something like that. And that is not normal. Uh, we can rejoice in it, but it's not normal. Normal faithfulness is planting, watering, growing. And sometimes that's in, in quantity. I think our charge is to make sure it's in quality and to leave the quantity uh, to the Lord. Um, I further would say that, you know, the the whole envy thing is really a very short-sighted judgment. You know, who knows what Jesus is going to say about any of this? We know that it's not a a quantitative judgment. It's a qualitative judgment that he's going to offer. Well done, good, faithful servant. You know, and we, we all preach this. We know this. But man, on Tuesday, it's hard to apply that when, you know, you didn't make budget and, you know, numbers were down on Sunday. And so you can kind of feel like your whole self-worth is plummeting. And um, so I think that, you know, probably we need to just apply truths that we know to be, uh, to be true. That would, go, that would go a long ways. Um, I would also add that, you know, God is sovereign over the giving of gifts. And, um, you know, we see the Holy Spirit is the one who gives gifts. And some people are more gifted in some way than others. And that doesn't mean they're better. It just means that God sovereignly did that. And so I... I, I, I love another quote, I forget who it was, uh, that said about somebody else, they, you know, he may preach the gospel better, but he does not preach a better gospel. And really, in the end, we come back, to, we're just all servants here. And, you know, the, the glory we try to take for ourselves is always a, a kind of stolen glory from Christ. And uh, again, we'd all be better off if we just stopped it, you know, mm. just stopped doing that. Amen. So. Just some thoughts. Yeah, thank you, Steve. Well, we're praying for you as uh, you prepare for your messages for the conference. And and again, 
Let me reiterate my gratefulness for you being willing to do this. I believe God's going to bless this ministry in a great way. And uh, thank you so much uh, for being with us. We trust this has been a blessing and an encouragement to you. Pray for our conference. And as a church, please seriously consider registering your church. Make it available to all of your members so that they can be encouraged by this as well. May the Lord bless you. May God richly use our fellowship to make disciples through healthy local churches.